Rothschild, and this is Podcast 19 from 538. As you've surely heard by now, President Trump was diagnosed with COVID-19 last week. Despite his doctors appearing on television to say he was doing well and on the mend, he was admitted to the hospital and was given three cutting-edge drugs, among other treatments, while he was there. On Monday, he left the hospital and has claimed that his recovery was due in part to the amazing drugs he received. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. We've talked about each of the three drugs Trump took on Podcast 19 before. The first is remdesivir, an antiviral drug that can keep the virus from replicating in your body. The second is a cocktail of monoclonal antibodies from a company called Regeneron. Monoclonal antibodies are basically lab-grown proteins that, in theory, are really great at binding to the coronavirus and neutralizing it. The third drug is dexamethasone, a 60-year-old steroid that's been used in premature babies, people with altitude sickness, and even in the field of psychiatry. If you want a deep dive into any of these drugs, I highly recommend going back and listening to our episodes on them. But today, we're going to discuss what happens when all three drugs are combined, and whether Trump is really out of the woods as he would like us to believe. After all, some patients decline after five to 10 days of symptoms. If Trump has recovered from COVID as quickly as he claimed, could it be due to the drugs he took? And if so, just how accessible are they to the average American? To find out, I spoke with a doctor who treats COVID patients needing intensive care. My name is Daniela Lamas, and I'm a pulmonary and critical care doctor at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. In your mind, if the president were an average American patient, how sick would he need to be to get these three drugs? So the outlook is that patients on remdesivir um, who are sick enough to be hospitalized can expect a shortened duration of illness, but there is no mortality benefit. We give it to patients who are sick enough to be in the hospital due to having COVID. So we wouldn't give it for asymptomatic COVID, but COVID requiring hospitalization, an average American could get that depending on what hospital they're in and uh, whether you know remdesivir is, is available, uh, which is not true everywhere. One of the other drugs that Trump has been given is Regeneron's antibody cocktail. We heard about that on Friday, and it's basically um, a mixture of two monoclonal antibodies. This is a, a treatment that's still in clinical trials, but what do we know about the effectiveness and safety of the cocktail at this point? There is a, a randomized controlled trial ongoing. What the data we have so far are an early descriptive um, sort of results of the of 275 patients. Because it's a randomized controlled trial, um, that means that half of those patients have received the Regeneron drug and half have received a placebo. So what we know so far is that there's a trend toward some benefit. So we're looking at it for patients who um, are non-hospitalized. And I think that that's sort of the most pertinent if we're thinking about the context where, where President Trump got it, which was, you know, that first day in the White House. So he wasn't yet hospitalized. Um, and those are the data that have come out are for non-hospitalized patients. So far, it looks like the cocktail might help lower the viral load and reduce COVID symptoms. But at this point, there really isn't enough data to know for sure. 
you know, I think it's also important to note the potential reactions and, and the drugs seem to be well tolerated. Again, this is not in a, in a, a journal. Uh, this is, you know, in Regeneron sort of press release. I think, I think it seems hopefully that this is a drug that is well tolerated and that can have a trend toward benefit. Neither remdesivir nor Regeneron's antibody cocktail have been approved by the FDA. They're both still experimental drugs. Patients can get remdesivir because it's gotten what's called an emergency use authorization. And Trump got the antibody cocktail after his doctors made a compassionate use request. I asked Dr. Lamas to explain the difference between the two. So both a compassionate use request and an emergency use authorization uh, go through the FDA. An emergency use authorization is a, is a broad um, uh, sort of release of a drug um, based on a burden of data being positive. So the bar for an EUA is lower than the bar for actual approval. The data have to be less robust, but robust enough such that in an area of need, it is worthwhile, the FDA determines, to release the drug while still continuing to encourage the generation of data. So a drug with an EUA, if the you know, data bear out to actually not be useful, that's a drug that ultimately um, might never get an FDA approval. Um, but it is uh, a, a particular uh, way to get access to a large population of people and to encourage a drug company to actually make enough of that drug to be able to uh, go out to a large population. A compassionate use is more specific uh, for an individual, and it's a pathway for a patient to you know, either has an immediately life-threatening condition or a serious disease uh, to gain access to an investigational drug outside of the auspices of clinical trials, with the argument, argument being that there's no comparable drug that's already out there. How common is it for a drug at this stage of testing to be approved for compassionate use? You know, I think, I think it is not common for a drug like this that is not sort of immediately life-saving to uh, be able to be sort of given to somebody via compassionate use. Um, drugs at this stage of development are the kind of drugs that are definitely pursued um, for compassionate use by patients or their families uh, who are dying, you know, thinking about uh, diseases like sort of, you know, early stage drugs for something like ALS or muscular dystrophy. You know, these are things where patients and their families uh, pursue compassionate use. In this sort of drug where uh, there was not an immediately life-saving benefit, I think it is a more uncommon scenario. Now that the president's gotten a compassionate use dose, might average Americans be able to get one too? I think that's a fantastic question, and I think it's it's quite likely that um, average Americans will push for that. You know, I think I think that's a hard argument to make. I think I think I would encourage um, average Americans who think that that would be something they would pursue. Uh, really to pause because the truth of the matter is that regardless of the fact that Trump receive this. And regardless of the fact that he seems, as far as we know, though it's been so opaque to be doing okay, you know, um, we don't know if this drug is helpful. There's been no signal of harm, but we also don't know if it's harmful. And so I think one of the things that has gone so wrong in our response to COVID and the drugs that, you know, we have yet to, to test is that 
through the FDA's EUA and through similar mechanisms, drugs are out there for practitioners to give patients. And if you can get convalescent plasma from your doctor and you want it, then why are you ever going to enroll in a trial where there's a 50% chance that you're going to get placebo? So, so I, I would really argue that uh, it would be better. I mean, ideally, possibly President Trump himself would have said, I believe in the clinical trials and I'm going to enroll in this trial and I'm going to take the 50% chance that I get the placebo because it is important to me to be part of the scientific method. That obviously didn't happen. But I would hope that that is what people do, because the truth of the matter is we just don't know if this is beneficial. We won't know. Do you think that Trump taking this Regeneron um, antibody cocktail through compassionate use is going to make it harder for there to be real clinical trials or ongoing clinical trials for the drug? I wonder about that. And I, I have wondered about that. You know, I think I think had he enrolled in the trial, it would have made a trial easier I think his getting it through compassionate use uh, could have one of two effects. It, it either could make patients unwilling to take placebo, or it could make them say, look, if this is the only way I'm going to get this, I'm willing to take the, the coin toss and get a placebo. We rely on people to kind of do this really generous act of saying, I am going to, I'm going to agree to take this drug, knowing it might help me, knowing it might not knowing I might get a placebo, you know, people, people make that extraordinary uh, sort of sacrifice um, all the time. And, and I think, I think modeling that behavior would, would have been amazing. I think doing something different than that um, is potentially problematic. So we also heard on Sunday that Trump is taking dexamethasone. It's a steroid that's been around for decades and has been shown to cut the death rate in severely ill patients by quite a lot. Um, However, it's not recommended for people with mild COVID. So can you explain why that is? In the trial of dexamethasone, um, the authors, the sort of investigators, looked at um, the drug in a broad swath of the COVID population and found that for patients with severe disease, as gauged by being on a ventilator or being on high flow oxygen, the steroid did indeed cut the deaths um, in that population uh, by quite a lot, by about a third. Um, However, in patients who were not sick enough to be on oxygen, there was not statistically significant, so we can't say it's certain, but there was a suggestion of harm. Um, and that it was, it was definitely not useful for those patients and it, it might've caused harm of increased infections possibly and other potential sort of repercussions. Dexamethasone suppresses the immune system. Now, that might seem like a bad thing when you have a life-threatening infection, but the most severe COVID symptoms, like damaging inflammation in the lungs, are actually caused by our immune system going haywire. So in serious COVID, the drug might help suppress the inflammatory response. Of course, you definitely wouldn't want that early in an infection when your immune system is still working properly to fight the disease. Exactly. Yeah, you want to give it that fighting chance. And, you know, Dex, it's, it seems like it was a useful drug later on, but it's a blunt instrument. I mean, it's not just going to stop your body from getting angry at COVID. It's going to stop it from doing all the other useful things that your sort of immunity is doing. And so um, in early disease that doesn't end up being a positive. So how commonly is dexamethasone being used in the U.S. to treat COVID today? Because it is an easily accessible drug, it's being used quite commonly for patients who are sick enough to um, be on oxygen. And, you know, I think sort of within my hospital and those I know of, people 
you know, have taken seriously the sort of mantra of not giving this to patients who aren't sick enough yet to be on oxygen. There hasn't really been that creep just because, you know, the data suggests that it actually wouldn't be useful and potentially harmful. Trump's doctors say that um, he's not that sick, but they also have seen some short dips in his oxygen levels. And I know that um, they've said he has received oxygen therapy twice for like short periods of time. Do you think that he's he's sort of like the appropriate use case for when dexamethasone should be given? I'll say he isn't the kind of case where I've seen it been given. We give it when there is uh, clearly a serious, you know, clear trend toward worsening. A patient is really on oxygen. Clear chest x-ray findings requiring oxygen. This is a person with, you know, clear sort of pulmonary disease as a result of COVID. And, and it's for those patients that we give it. I think without knowing the details of, of his, his actual sort of medical presentation, because we've just not been given it, based on what we know, I think it's unlikely that um, he would have gotten dexamethasone in the sort of scenarios I've seen. There was a 2017 study that looked at how medical staff treats VIP patients, um, and it found that a majority of physicians who reported the presence of VIP services at their hospital felt pressured by VIP patients or their family members to perform unnecessary testing or treatment. I don't mean to ask such a leading question, but could that explain what's going on here? Yeah, you know, I think it sort of seems like it's one of of two things, right? Either either he's getting um either he's sicker than or was sicker than than we knew and and was being appropriately treated uh for that. Um or yes, he, you know, there there is definitely the sort of phenomenon of VIP syndrome where um we do things for people um and defer to them in ways that we would not uh were they not VIP patients. Uh, we take them to unnecessary CAT scans we give unnecessary courses of antibiotics. Um, and it, it is entirely plausible that that is what we are seeing here. Um, there's a, you know, many descriptions of the sort of constellation um, of issues that occur when doctors become distracted by who their patients are. Could there be side effects to taking all of these drugs at once? Sure. I mean, remdesivir in itself, uh, we don't give it to patients who have um, underlying liver disease because it can cause an elevation of liver function tests. Uh, dexamethasone itself, um, other than the potential sort of increased risk of, of bacterial infections, um, that's relatively well tolerated. I can't think necessarily of a way that dexamethasone and remdesivir would interact. Um, as regards the monoclonal antibody, that is a new drug, but uh, not in anything that we have read uh, do we know of those interactions. So I think that's that's relatively unknown, and that's a risk that uh, he and his doctors clearly decided to take. You know, we're recording this conversation on Monday afternoon, and earlier today, Trump tweeted that he was being released from the hospital and said, don't be afraid of COVID in that tweet. As a doctor, what do you think of that advice? As a doctor, I found that to be uh, quite quite a disheartening message um, to come from somebody who's leaving the hospital uh, after a stay for um, a disease that has killed more than 200,000 uh, Americans. A lot of us working in the hospital had hoped that the message um, after this, uh, after his getting the virus, would be um, one of the increased importance of masking, of social distancing, um, a message that would reflect what we've all kind of been saying uh, for quite some time now. And even if he did well, that obviously is is not a is not a reason to say don't be afraid of a disease that could have very well killed him, but for 
some luck perhaps, perhaps the benefit of one of these meds, unknowable factors that determine why one 74-year-old might be okay. And even if he does well, even if we're two weeks out and he's, he's, doing, he's doing great, doesn't mean not to be afraid. It just, it just means that he should be lucky and, and feel humbled by that. If Trump really is out of the woods, do you think it's due to his treatment regime? It is unknowable. I think that because of the sort of lack of one knowledge about his, you know, real detailed knowledge about his medical condition coming in and two, lack of clear data about the Regeneron drug. We, we don't know if this Regeneron drug helps. We also, if he really was sick needing oxygen, then potentially the dexamethasone helped. Data would say it did. If he really was sick needing oxygen, maybe remdesivir made the duration of his symptoms shorter. But, but without more information, it's, it's really unknowable. Do you have any sense of how much all of these treatments would cost together? You know, I actually um, don't because I don't know what the cost of the Regeneron treatment would be. You know, Dex is, is, is cheap. I would imagine that based on remdesivir alone, that this would be an a monoclonal antibody. I mean, this, this could be at least uh, $5,000 to, to more, uh, and probably for a monoclonal antibody, much more. Um, but definitely not, uh, not a cheap treatment regimen. How accessible would this particular treatment regime be to the average American? I think this particular sort of three-drug regime um, would be uh, fairly inaccessible. Uh, the average American would need to first be presumably sicker than, than Trump ever was to the best of our knowledge, um, particularly to get dexamethasone, and then would have to be um, either at a hospital that uh, was part of the Regeneron trial or somehow in the midst of sickness and uh, isolation from family have the wherewithal to try to petition the FDA for compassionate use for this drug. I just, I just don't see that happening. Um, so, so I would say that this is not, this is not a three drug regimen that is going to be, uh, the go-to for the average American. That's it for this episode of Podcast 19. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, email us a voice memo at askpodcast19 at gmail.com. That's askpodcast19 at gmail.com. I'm Anna Rothschild. Our producer is Sinduja Srinivasan. Chadwick Matlin is our executive producer. Now, guess I better get back to doom scrolling through Twitter and watching the news.